There are times in America where an event touches many lives with tragedy. I think of a natural disaster like a tornado or an earthquake or a terrorism event like 9-11. These events impact the lives of hundreds or even thousands of families. But can you imagine an event that affected every single family in the United States? Imagine the scope of the destruction or suffering that would be involved. The war and the chaos in Syria right now has affected every family in the country. Every single family. Everyone knows someone who's been killed. Everyone knows someone whose home has been destroyed. Yet in the midst of the war and the chaos, God is at work. You probably haven't seen it on your evening news, but he's doing some amazing things. We're going to hear about some of those things today on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Welcome again to Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We have a very special guest today uh, speaking to us about a country that we're hearing a lot about on the news, uh, a country that hopefully is in on your prayer list already. It will be more on your prayer list after this broadcast today. Uh, we welcome Brother John, who is with us from the nation of Syria. Thank you, Todd. Good to be with you all. It is great to have you. Uh, as we think about Syria... Uh, we think about uh, the Assad regime, we think about the al-Nusra Front, uh, we think about the Islamic State, uh, but what we aren't hearing on our news broadcasts is that there are Christians there as well, and that, that God is at work in that country. Tell us a little bit, uh, just some highlights of what God is doing in Syria, even as there is war and violence and bloodshed. Hmm. Yes, uh, it's been an honoring to watch. Uh, our God is alive and active in our country. Though there is brokenness, there is pain, there is suffering, there is death, the smell of death everywhere. Everybody have knows somebody who lost his life or, or either a family, loved one, or a friend, or knows of somebody. Uh, but in the midst of all of that, there is the Christian community who live in Syria, and they're very active and powerful in the community in serving, reaching out to the brokenness. And as a, as a church, we have realized that from our Lord and Savior that there is only healing and there is only hope in Jesus Christ to live that among in the midst of brokenness, to present the healing through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has been powerful and effective. It's been also a healing to the community, not just to the Christian in Syria, that others are seeing the power of our Lord, that is a God of love, the God of forgiveness, that God who sacrificed himself to die for others, for the brokenness, for the God who loved Muslim, Christian, and others, 
And and it's been a blessing for us to experience that and seeing other from other uh, background to see um, our God, the true God. What is the general response of Muslims in Syria right now to that message, to that that gospel message of uh, a God who loves us and, and a God who sent his son to die for us? Are they open? Are they angry? Are they closed? What is what is their response? We see a huge reception, people receiving that message. Um, one of uh, one of the individuals said, "A lot of the Muslim basically are just blank piece of paper, and you just write down the story of Jesus on it, and because they never heard of it before, they did not know it exists." And the powerful thing, Todd, that to see there is, despite the background, what religion, what background we are, God's created us with the desire to be loved by Him. He's the Creator. And that desire exists in every human being to be loved by, by their own Creator. It's the same as the desire of a child to be loved by his mother. It's a desire for, a, for, for the human being to be loved by their own Creator. And I believe that desire exists in the Muslim world as well, and even among the Christian in Syria and the Muslim in Syria. And there is a desire, but the message that have that is the gospel, that God's loved the world, that they did not see in other religion. And you know what I mean. And that does not exist in other places. Right. That love that love is is what differentiates Christianity from everything else. Exactly. Uh, a creator God who loves us. Uh, and I think that, like you say, that speaks to the hearts of everybody. What kinds of things are happening among the church to reach out to Muslims? What are some of the, the ministry activities that are going on? And I know you have to be careful how you answer this question because there's some security considerations uh, for you and for your family. But uh, as far as what you can share, uh, can you tell us some stories uh, of the things God is doing through the church there? No doubt the church is active day and night. Uh, one of the unique character of our Lord Jesus, he was he reached out to the needs of the community and he fed the 5,000, and he did the miracle to feed the 5,000. The miracle represents an energy. And I will say the church putting their all their energy, that's the miracle, all their energy to reach out to the community. And the church is very active in that miracle. And that's why we're seeing more and more miracle as a result and a repercussion of the action of the church. And I perhaps you understand what I mean. Uh, it's uh, it's been a blessing to see people watching this miracle and to see the life of in Jesus Christ and in the church. So uh, there are a lot of people are uh, fascinated by our God and 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 they see who He is and they want to have Him and they see the that this God who loved them personally for who they are, for whatever background, whatever sin they've been into, whatever problem they've been facing, and they are holding onto that, uh, onto, onto that miracle. And, and God's doing uh, 
I love the fact that when when in Genesis and said let there be light and when you watch somebody it feel like today God saying let there be light in their life and there is light as that simple as it is but there are many people turning from darkness to light and that's been encouraging in them of suffering and pain and destruction destruction everywhere agony everywhere people cannot handle the amount of pressure and suffering but in the midst of it our God is a living God. Today, I would say one thing that, that Jesus himself lived down in that city, that in Damascus, in Syria, in Aleppo. God is alive in Syria today. It's not just the war. It's not just the killing. Yes, this is very true. Yes, this, it is very true. It's very hard to imagine to live in the midst of it. But as well, the fact is Jesus living in Syria today. Uh, in the midst of that. You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're talking with Brother John from Syria. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the pressure that the church is facing. How often is it that the Christians are being targeted because they're Christians? Uh, Are they simply caught in the crossfire of this war that is going on within the country? Uh, Is it a little bit of both? Can you just kind of help us understand the situation that the church is in there? Uh, definitely the Christian has because we are a minority and we be part of minority so all minorities have been a target in in Syria uh, especially by the rebels and the extremists as we know of ISIS Al-Qaeda and other extremist groups who exist and rebel groups who have the same ideology and they're targeting the minority because they don't share the same value well the Christian are a minority but the problem with the Christian we are number one enemy as well for a lot of the radical Islam not for Islam but the radical Islam and we become a target today we just heard last uh, week I heard that extremism and that's on it was on uh, public televisions in one of uh, in the Middle East they are they begin they are targeting uh, the evangelical Christian in Syria direct target so they announced that they will be targeting the evangelical Christian in Syria and that Definitely, it's a uh, it's a direct threat. So they are that we as a Christian have been been a target, and will be a target as well for the days to come. So we do ask people, we do ask people who believe our brother and our sister, the body of Christ, the church worldwide, to pray for the protection of the body of Christ in Syria. It's a responsibility of all the body to pray for unity. This is the concept of the body of Christ. That's a powerful concept that the Bible talks about as one body, as one church. So if your left arm is hurting, tendency of the body to go support it. The body of Christ in Syria is hurting and is under threat and is a target as well. So we ask the rest of the body of Christ as a natural tendency to support that with a prayer. Prayer are powerful today in Syria. One of the things we can do is pray. In prayers today, we can save life of our brother and sister. I do believe that our prayers move the hands of the mighty gods in action. So it is a responsibility of the church in this country to pray for the body, broken body of Christ in the Middle East, specifically in Syria and Iraq, as well as in Egypt. One of the with that threat of a uh, uh, talk about a uh, Christian, I don't, we don't we're not we not don't go into the political situation. We politics beyond us. We have no involvement with it, but we have involvement with one thing: is we want people to know that God's love them, and that's our heart. That's who we are. We cannot make a difference in the political world, but we can make a difference in the hearts of people. We can 
help support family, feed the family. Yes, we can do that, but that was is just limited. That's for a week or two weeks. This family we're helping, they might lose their life next week or in a few days. So we care about their eternal life. We care about their eternal life. And this is who we are as a church in Syria. We care about eternal life for the people of Syria as well. Uh, in the midst of that uh, caring, we do uh, see targeting Christian has been huge uh, <clears throat> from the extremist side. And, and the rebels are targeting Christian. What I mean they target the Christian. There is Christian areas. There is not one Christian town, Christian village uh, has been targeted. That's Christian I talk about, all Christian, not just evangelical, Catholic, and Orthodox. And that, with all honesty, the majority of the hate been coming on the Orthodox and the Catholic as well. Uh, and um, when they target the Christian, they, they, they either not a Christian town or a village, they target them because they are Christian. There is a Damascus Christian area, and they always shoot missiles on it just because there are schools in it. Every, almost every school got hit by a missile. Many children have died just sitting in a classroom next to their student, next to their friends. Talking, learning as they've been educated, a missile will come and hit, and they a, ch a child will see his friend as a dead body, not anymore as a friend, existing friend, vanishing. It's a chaos. So uh, there is suffering. There is hardship going on among the Christians just because they're target for not doing anything, for just being a Christian. I know that tens of thousands of Syrians have left. They've gone to Lebanon. They've gone to Turkey. They've gone to yes. the West. The people in your church stay. They're still there. Why? Hmm. Why do they stay? Many, many of the Christian in Syria uh, and our churches in Syria, uh, it's not an option to stay for for as a Christian or as a minority. It's not an option for you to stay in Syria because if you stay, it's a you face the next door you might open is the door of death because there is no hope. There is destruction everywhere but they choose to stay because they believe they have a heart for that land and god has placed that small community of christian in the region for them to carry on the message of the cross they don't stay because it's safe obviously they stay in syria because they see god's alive in syria and christianity is not just history it's today it's not just yesterday that was before even islam was in the middle east christianity was there in syria that's not it's today there are there is christianity in syria and there are christian in syria and there are syrian christian and there is also pride in that but a good pride not a bad pride mm -hmm. pride because they want to see more of that in that country let's talk about the rebels, the, the bad guys. One of the things that I've encouraged people to do is to pray uh, for the conversion of these radical Muslims. Uh, they are in Islamic State. They are in al-Nusra. Mm. They are attacking the church. As a, as a Syrian, as somebody who has walked on the road to Damascus, that the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, the the hunter of Christians. The first extre uh, extremist the church ever experienced. The first extremist. Saul. I like that. How does how do you identify with that story as a Syrian, and how does that encourage you as you think about the yeah. Islamic State, as you think yeah. about al-Nusra? Um, hmm. what, what do you draw out of that story? This is a unique story because I do believe that the first 
mission journey, we believe that went out of Damascus from the straight street. And that was the first mission journey went from Damascus to all over the world. And today we hear about this revival happening all over Asia, China, Iran. And today we believe it's heading back to where it started to be many more. There is no coincidence jihad is coming to Syria from all over the world. Close to 100,000 foreign fighters entering Syria for one purpose, with the same purpose, Saul went into Damascus. Perhaps, but when one mind look at what's happening, look at God repeats history. Our God's not history is just in the past, it's today, the present, and tomorrow. God repeats history, especially in Christianity. God repeat miracles, and we believe out of Damascus will be many mission journeys to the rest of the world. Now, here is one of the things, back to your question, is how do we pray for the extremists? I think we need, we need to pray for the Muslim people. We need to pray for those extremists. We need to be careful that our heart does not go and fall under a stage of hate toward Islam and to the Muslim people because they are victim of that ideology. They are victim of that spirit. And I don't want to name it. It's the spirit that comes and conquers those people. Gods love those people. God loved those individuals, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Those are just a victim of that mentality, that spirit that got hold of them. And we need to pray that God will release them so they can go back. Because remember, maybe, maybe Saul today, you can call Saul ISIS today, can be the leader of the next generation of the church. So, are we not praying for those people, uh, ideology? We're praying for those individuals because they might be our future leader tomorrow. So it is our responsibility to be part of what God is doing, not what we are doing, what we want to see or what our reaction. God is doing good things, and perhaps we need to pray for the extremists because those extremists cannot be limited. It's again ideology. It's a spirit. cannot be limited by weapon. Yes, we can trust. I mean, yes, I agree. You know, the U.S. have the part. They're going to go up, do their things. But it's an ideology. cannot be limited with the bomb. This is the part of the church and the body of Christ. This is our part. Yes, let the government do their part, but we have to act, and we as a body of Christ have to act and do our part. Begin to pray that God will release them from the Spirit, and they'll come to know Him as the Lord and Savior. I think that's a great challenge for American Christians, uh, but I think it's an even greater challenge for Syrian Christians yes. and for, as you mentioned, almost everyone there knows someone who's been killed. Right. Does the church in Syria have, are they able to respond with that love and with prayer, or is there anger and is there a desire for vengeance or, or a desire for, uh, for the criminals to pay for what they've done? I don't think there is a room today in Syria for vengeance. I don't think there is a room for our own reaction. I think Syria have overrun. They have been drained. They cannot act on their own. The church cannot act on their own. They cannot respond on their based on knowledge and, 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 and a reaction of anger. There is no room anymore for that. They are so broken to the point they're willing to look and to see through God's eye. What happened today in Syria as well, God have used this war to shake the foundation of the church. 
which is, was the foundation that he did not want it. And he took it back and he shook the church in Syria so much that he's building a new foundation. It's not built by the power of man knowledge or, or, or a vision or a, or a mission. It's been built by God himself, by God's hands. And we just don't know where it's heading. We're just following today. It's not about our work of evangelism. No, it's about what God is doing in people's lives. And we're just trying to keep up with God, basically. <laughs> so, and we're too busy trying to keep up with what God is doing, and it's hard to react out of anger. One of the things, yes, the, just a really short uh, talk, just to remind you a story, when one of the humanitarian work we're doing among, um, because we serve Christian and uh, churches in Syria, serve all Christian and Muslim, and that's in general, all Christians do that in Syria. And as they do serve with humanitarian work, a lot of, you know, you get people from uh, different cities, and when you're working in different cities, um, they, people from Hamas, for example, they came and they saw Muslim from Hamas, but the Muslim, the families of the rebels who fought them and kicked them and fought them out their homes. So when they came and they saw we're serving those people, they said, why would you serve those people? They're the reason we, my brother is dead, my husband is dead. They're the reason we are misplaced and they destroyed and took our heart. They kicked us out. They called us infidel. Why are you? It's hard sometimes because there is within, this is the unbeliever community. There is an action of, of, of uh, of anger but as well it's hard when you serve them and God's lead us to see the result as we serve them and that's what been, I guess it's been a good thing for the church because they're seeing the results of serving everybody and to be Christ-like and they come to the churches they tell them they tell the people who are working our husbands our men are fighting and 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 that mean is basically they're fighting and, and they're the cause of uh, uh, of many of the Christian evacuation and forcing Christian out as well. And sometimes they threat the church: if you don't help us, we will uh, we will deal with you. And they so, but still the church go out and reach out, and they do direct reach out because we're reaching not f for the ideology; we're reaching this person. That is a trap. The heart. The heart. Yeah. And God is doing something. I, I believe it. I, I, we watch people in tears when they hear about the beauty of God, the creation of God, the character of God, the true character of God. This is a foreigner to them. They never heard this. They never experienced this. So we are challenged. We are challenged because people don't know. So it is a responsibility of the local church to let, to share, and to inform. And I think this is also a challenge for the church in America and around the world. We need to share the greatest gift the world ever experienced, which is Jesus Christ. I hope that our listeners take that as a, uh, as a challenge, uh, because many of us, uh, you know, maybe our neighbors are not mm -hmm. radical Muslims, uh, but they're lost. There are people who need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the truth. Uh, they need to know that God loves them. So uh, if our brothers and sisters in Syria who are under uh, so much pressure and so much uh, strife and persecution, if they can reach out with the gospel, uh, surely in our comfort, in our safety, uh, we can reach out to our neighbors, to our coworkers, and, and mm -hmm. share that same truth. Mm -hmm. yes. As we pray sure. for the nation of Syria— what should we be praying or, or how would you encourage us to pray for that nation? 
I do. First, I ask to pray for the church leadership in Syria. They are in their direct threat, direct target as well. All the churches and the leadership of the churches in Syria. I also ask to pray for peace in Syria. And we know that only come through one thing, through the gospel message. But we do pray that God would give the leadership of the war power, the leadership of the Syrian country as well, uh, wisdom. And God will humble the heart of the leadership of the world power, not just Syria, the world as well, even America. When they deal with Syria, God will humble their heart so they can come to a solution to peace. I ask also to pray for many efforts are being put out there. And I just, we need to pray that God will use the church to come uh, on, a, on part of that effort to be more involved as well, to help bring peace. Pray for our children. Pray for our children. Those people have seen things they have never seen in their life. When one of the things we said, those children grew up in Syria to be, as in 2009 statistic, one of the top safest country, the fourth safest country in the world. And all of a sudden, all their life been just destroyed, completely destroyed, death, bodies. They've seen horrific things, explosion. So pray for our children, for the traumatized and the amount of traumatized uh, that exists in the country is huge. So, And don't think there's enough counseling can be done in Syria. Uh, it really has to be the Lord. So pray for healing. I guess that's uh, one of our prayer requests. I would encourage our listeners, to, you know, we we talk about Syria from the from the framework of a battle that's going on there. Mm. Uh, but as John has shared with us, the spiritual battle is much greater mm. uh, than the military battle or the rebel battle or uh, what is happening from the human perspective. We need to be a part of that battle. We can join spiritually in that battle through our prayers. Uh, we can be a part of winning that spiritual war in Syria. Uh, John, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for sharing with us today, and I, I hope Todd. that our Thank listeners you. are encouraged and challenged, uh, and hopefully we've fired up a bunch more prayer warriors for Amen. the nation of Amen. Syria. Praise God. Amen. We need it. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. I would encourage you to connect with us online. You can share this interview with your friends at vomradio.net. Uh, you can also call us with a question or a comment 1-800-757-5069. Call and leave your comment, leave your question that we can answer on our next broadcast. We've got a question this week from a caller from Colorado. Hi, this is Charlotte from Colorado Springs. My family and I have been praying regularly for Asia Bibi in Pakistan. How is she doing, and is there any change in her situation? Thank you. Charlotte, first I want to thank you for praying for Asia and her family in Pakistan Unfortunately, the latest news in her case is not good news. In October, her appeal to the high court in Lahore was rejected, and the blasphemy conviction and the death penalty were upheld. Asya's case will now be appealed to Pakistan's Supreme Court, but it could be months or even years before they rule. And in the meantime, Asya Bibi is still in jail, still separated from her family while she waits for justice. In addition to your prayers for Asya and her family, I would encourage you to do two things. First, you can write her a letter of encouragement at prisoneralert.com. 
Secondly, sign the petition for Asya's release at callformercy.com. If you've already signed, thank you. You can share the petition drive with your friends and family and encourage them to sign as well. Thank you, Charlotte, for your question. Thank you, John, for sharing about the church in Syria. And thank you, listeners, for joining our conversation. We look forward to being with you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. I want to leave you with a promise for our persecuted family. It comes from the first part of Jeremiah 20, verse 11. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. What a great promise. I hope you have a good week.